0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: James chapter 5, get your pen, get your pad, get your heart. 2019, 2019, I began a series, began to, uh, I taught a series on Money Matters, and, uh, just by show of hands, who was with me in 2019 for Money Matters? Okay, that's half and half, actually, which is pretty good. Okay, good. And, um, so I felt the need to teach, uh, A series dedicated to money because here at Calvary Chapel, we teach verse by verse. If you're joining us for the first time today, we are a verse by verse Bible teaching church. We teach line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, as Isaiah tells us. Calvary Chapel, say amen, Amen. which is a good thing. And... As we teach verse-by-verse, there could be, and often is, a year, two, maybe even three years that we're going verse-by-verse through a book that we never touch on the topic of money because we're going verse-by-verse. So I felt that it was necessary in seeking, quite honestly like the spirit of vulnerability to be a better pastor and to be more faithful to the word of God. Because to be quite honest with you, I would often, if we came across money matters, money teaching, Calvary Chapel, y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, pray for me. If we came across teaching about money, say we're going verse by verse through Matthew, and we come to Matthew 6, and it's talking about laying up for yourself treasures in heaven, then I would teach about money. But then if we kept going verse by verse in Matthew, we might not get back to money for another two years. And in some way, that was kind of all right with me, because I, I didn't like the whole topic of money. I didn't like to teach about money, because I thought that money matters had a bad taste in people's mouths. People think all the church wants is money. That's what they say. People say that, don't they? You've all heard it. All all those Christian people, all they want is money. So I would avoid it. Not only that, but I was quite honestly, in my early Christianity, I was scarred by this whole topic of money. I literally had PTSD about the topic of money. And uh, stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Literally PTSD on the topic of money, because when I first became a Christian, I went to a church where they took up two, three, some Sundays, I'm not kidding you, five offerings. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, five offerings. They would do three, preach a sermon, and then do two more. And they would say things like, well, you know, the Lord, they come, oh, the Lord is showing me that there are... uh, Ten people in here are going to give $1,000. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, the Lord ain't show you that's me. I can tell you that right now. God didn't tell you that. It might be, I look at my neighbor, is it you? Is it you? Because it ain't me. And all these things, and then, or they go and collect something. They go and collect the, they collect the offering, then they go in the back and count the money, and then they come back out and beat the people up about how much it wasn't the, was the offering. You despicable people, this offering was horrible. You can all do better than that. Now, I need 100 people to stand up with 20 bucks. Man, you want offering number four? Ain't nobody got no money. That stuff scarred me. That literally scarred me. And I looked at that and I was not a pastor at that point. And I saw that kind of behavior in church and I thought I would never do that. I would never do that. So what I did is what most people do when they get PTSD about something. They swing to the other end of the pendulum where you don't talk about it at all. So here I am now as a pastor of this church. And my first Money Matters teaching was like last year. It was last year. And we're 25 years old this year. Somebody clap your hands. That's exciting. (laughs) 25 years old and my first time teaching. So I stayed away from it. And then I felt it was last year, like in the 2018. I started thinking that if I'm going to be faithful to teach God's word and we say that we teach verse by verse, that we teach the whole Bible and not a Bible full of holes. Well, this whole topic about money is in the Bible. And if I'm going to stand before God and say that I have been faithful to, cl- to declare the whole counsel of the word of God to God's people, then I have to declare the whole counsel of the word of God. Are you, is it all right so far? So far? Everything OK? So all the church wants is money. That's what people say. And let's just face it. I mean, money is money is what we live on. This is how we mobile in our country and yeah, I don't think there's any organization that can exist without money. Let's just say it. Yeah, I was in a store the other day and got up to the register, and the first thing they ask you, "Did you find everything?" <laughs> Why they ask you that? Because they want more money. Or they tell you, "Hey, well, listen. If you spend two thousand more dollars, we'll give you a fifty-dollar coupon." <laughs> and oh joy! I can't wait to go and spend two grand and save fifty. This is all people's attempt to get money. You know that. Did you know, listen to me, let's get to it. Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject in the Bible, except for the kingdom of God. He talked about taxes. He talked about investments. He talked about repaying or not repaying debts. Did you know that one out of every 10 verses in the New Testament deals with money? Did you know that there are 500 verses on faith, 500 verses on prayer, and 2,100 verses about money. Money is talked more about in the Bible than prayer, salvation, heaven, even more, watch this, than the name of Jesus himself, than his name. Now, we know there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. Two saints say amen. There's no name greater than the name of Jesus. We know that. But in terms of the the word money or the concept of money, is taught more in the Bible because you've got Ecclesiastes, you've got the Proverbs, you've got the Psalms, and all of the Old Testament, 39 of those books, dealing with on varying degrees and various ways about money. And Jesus gave 36 parables, and 16 of them had to do with that, your attitude toward money. We see stories about the widow's might and the rich young ruler in the Bible. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. So we need to teach What the word of God says, somebody say amen. Get your pen right here. I'm going to give you three principles today. We'll talk about a three-point outline, really simple, on how to make our money matter. Money Matters 2020, how to make our money matters. And we're going to talk about that from the epistle. The word epistle simply means letter from James. Point number one, we'll talk about don't hoard it greedily. You might write, manage it wisely. In verses one through three, we'll look at it in just a few. Number two, don't withhold it deceitfully. You might write it down, earn it honestly in verse four. And then finally, we'll talk about real simple today. Don't spend it selfishly, share it graciously or generously. Both we could say in verses five and six, don't hoard it greedily. Manage it wisely. Don't withhold it deceitfully. Earn it honestly. And don't spend it selfishly. Share it generously. Verses 1 through 6. How to make our money matter. Let's get to it. James chapter 5, saints. And we're picking up. Did I tell you all chapter 5? Okay, James chapter 5. And we're picking up in verse... One, if you're looking at verse one, say amen. Amen. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cities, or pardon me, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and in luxury. You have fattened, look at this, you have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter and you have condemned, you have murdered the just, he who does not resist You saying stop right there, give me your attention. So let me tell you really quickly a little bit about James. James, this James is the half-brother of Jesus. James was a leader in the church. James, many believe was the pastor in Calvary Chapel, the church in Jerusalem. I said, I'm stuck, people. I'm stuck. He was a leader. Of the church, I say Calvary Chapel in Jerusalem. Okay, okay, fine. The leader of the church in Jerusalem. And uh, James, James was a man of prayer. And because James was a man of prayer, they gave him a nickname, Old Camel Knees. Historians tell us, Old Camel Knees. Because James prayed so much, he physically, literally developed knots and calluses on his knees from praying. Uh, You could call him, James, the challenger. You could call him James the challenger because there are 54 imperatives or commands in five chapters, 108 verses. There's plenty of practical advice in James. James, I would call James Christian living for dummies because there's practical stuff here. The main point of the book of James is true faith. Write that down. And faith that works true faith, and faith that works. Well, chapter 5 here, James is writing the rich people, and he's talking to them practically about riches and wealth. And you say to me, Pastor Rodney, well, if he's talking about riches and wealth, I don't have any riches and wealth, so I can go to sleep. No, don't do that. Say amen. In terms of, let me tell you quickly, in terms of proportion to three-fourths of the world's population, on average, three fourths of the world's population earns two hundred and seventy dollars a year. On average, the world's population, Don't, the U.S. We, it's another story here. Right. So most people in this room right now are richer than and use the word richer than three fourths of the world. So you say, Pastor Ronnie, I'm not rich. Well, that's all relative. Depends on where you live. You go to some countries in the world and you are completely wealthy. Let's get to point number one. Don't hoard it greedily. Manage it, I said, wisely. Look at verse two. Your riches are corrupted, rotted, and your garments moth-eaten. Rotted riches and moth-eaten clothes means you have too much. You got so much. It's rotten. They're... Go in the waste. Well, that's, I think all of us, if we were honest, most of us are like that. We're all guilty of that, I think, in some way. I like shirts. I love shirts. I like, I'm addicted to shirts. If I see a shirt and it's a, I got to buy it. It doesn't matter whether I'm aware it or not. I just got to buy it. I got to have a shirts. I got so many shirts. I have shirts with the tags still on them that are in my closet I never wore. And some of y'all, if y'all honest, you got stuff like that, too. Or go in your garage and you have stuff in your garage that you bought that you really never use, clothes you never wore. Why? Because we have so much in this country that, 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 that it goes to waste. We have so much. Somebody say amen. We got so much stuff. We got so much stuff, we lose it. I've lost shirts. <laughs> Literally, I'm cleaning and I thought, oh, there's that shirt. That's a cool shirt. I better wear it. And then I lose it again. We have so much stuff. We have so many possessions that we forget we have them. You know, it reminds me of uh, Luke chapter 12. I'll tell you quick. Luke chapter 12, we have the story of the first hoarder. You guys see that show, The Hoarders? Oh, my goodness. I can't with that show. The Hoarders. Well, there's a hoarder in the Bible. And y'all, I'm working here. Stay with me. Okay. There's a hoarder in the Bible. And remember the story. Jesus spoke a parable of a man who owns some real estate. And uh, this real estate increased in value. The man became rich. He had so much, he was running out of space to keep his stuff. He had an idea. He said, I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns for more stuff. And then he said in Luke 12, 19, he said, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have enough goods to last you for years. So eat, drink and be merry. And Jesus, remember, he said, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you provided? So, saints, the Lord is not criticizing the man for being rich. God's problem with the man is that he is trusting in temporal things and not trusting in the Lord. God doesn't have a problem with rich people. I think rich people get a bad rap. Some people think you can't be rich and be saved. Well, that's not true. You know, I stand with the rich people. Amen. (laughs) If you're rich, I'm your friend. (laughs) Share, like and share. (laughs) If you're rich, look, I stand with the rich people. People think rich people can't be saved. It's very true. It's like people have this kind of thing of looking down on rich people. There are plenty of rich people in the Bible, don't you know? Abraham was rich. David, Job, Zacchaeus. Did you know that Nicodemus was rich? Did you know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were rich? Joseph of Arimathea was rich? There is nothing wrong with Christians owning things. The problem is, is when things own Christians. That's the problem. And that's what happens. You know, sometimes we, we get wealth and, 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 and we get our wealth because it is God who gives it to you. And then we forget that God gave me all that I have. And, 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 we, and we forget and those things begin to own us and those things begin to dominate us. I'm getting ahead of myself. But those things begin to dominate us and they begin to control our world and money begins to rule all in your life. God doesn't have a problem with Christians being rich. As a matter of fact, God, I think, would prefer Christians be rich because to the right Christian who has wealth, he will, if he's smart and he's godly, he'll use that wealth to further the kingdom of God. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? Somebody once said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Isn't that right? This verse in Ecclesiastes 5.13, Solomon wrote, there's a severe evil, which I have seen under the sun riches kept for the owners to his hurt. That's an interesting verse. It's greed that makes you hoard things. Benjamin Franklin said, money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. This is so true, y'all. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of it filling a vacuum, it makes one. If it satisfies one want, It doubles and triples that want another way. That's so true. God loves people with money. And God loves people with no money. Say amen. Amen. Jesus died for rich people and Jesus died for poor people. Y'all say amen. God just doesn't want us to trust, Timothy said, in uncertain riches. Point number two in our outline. Don't withhold it deceitfully. Earn it honestly. Look at your Bibles in verse four of chapter five. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. These words kept back, if you got your pen, indicates the laborer will never get their salaries. They kept it back. The rich people kept it back from them. The day laborer in Palestine lived on the verge of starvation. His wage was small and it was impossible for him to save anything. And if his wages were held even back for one day, his family and he would not eat. So we have Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verses 14 and 15. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy. Whether one of your brother or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates, each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it for he is poor. And has set his heart on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. James says the Lord hears the cries of those you have cheated. And notice James uses a special name for the Lord, the Lord of Sabbath, or take your pen, the Lord of hosts. It speaks of the commander of the heavenly armies. James says you want to get God's attention, cheat the poor. Withhold from the poor, y'all listening to me. Get riches off of workers' backs without treating them fairly. That gets God's attention. We should give what rightly belongs to another. Am I right about that? And we should give to God what rightly belongs to God. There's a verse in the Bible, very important for us to look at. It's in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19 through 21. And it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures where, saints, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Now look at this very carefully. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please indulge me for a second. We talked about this at great length uh, in the 2019 Money Matters, but we need to look at it again. Notice it says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And we talked about the fact <clears throat> that money, listen to me close, is connected to your heart. Money is connected to your heart. Few people connect their spiritual walk to their finances. Few people do. Jesus doesn't separate money from your heart. Adrian Rogers, you guys remember Adrian Rogers? I think he passed away. Didn't he He passed away? Yeah. He said this. He said, a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Isn't that true? Where your treasure is, can I have that verse back, Renee, please? Where your treasure is, there your heart shall be. Also, in Jesus' day, just leave it there static for a second. In Jesus' day, this is a really radical teaching. And actually, it's a radical teaching in our day, as a matter of fact. Jesus tells them, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, why does Jesus say that? Two reasons. Please stay with me. Get your pen. Two reasons. Why does Jesus say, for where your treasure is, your heart will be, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth? Two things. Number one, because Jesus knows it's our natural tendency to lay up treasures on earth. He knows that. Well, think about your children. Our kids, we teach our kids to save up. We get piggy banks. I'm probably dating myself now. No day got piggy banks anymore. Piggy banks. My mom used to sell Avon. I remember Avon. Y'all know I'm dating myself now. Everything I said is old. Avon. And we used to get those colognes. Anybody remember the, the cologne, male cologne from the Avon? All right, three people, praise God. And, uh, and, you got those colognes. And we my mom got us a lot of them, you know. And I remember one particularly was like a car. And it was, somebody said yes. Who remembers that? Okay. I knew I wasn't crazy, okay. It was like a car. And it looked like a little limo kind of car. It was kind of long. And it was a bank. So you use all the cologne out of it, and then you save money. And your mom, your parents used to tell you don't spend everything you have. You remember that? Nowadays, people don't know nothing about that. Now is spend everything you got, get as many visas as you can, and then file bankruptcy. That's what a lot of people do nowadays. That's not wise. Okay? Say amen. Okay. Say, don't, you know, save. Put something away. Boy, don't spend everything you have. So if you get a dollar, put 10 cents in there or something. And you fill the bank up. So you're teaching your kids, even then, you're teaching them, watch this, to lay up treasures on earth. You're teaching them that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with retirement. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future. But there is a problem when you plan for the future so much that you don't plan for God.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry